Welcome back to EAF 489 Social Justice and Social Theory. I'm your host, Dr. Gavin Weiser. This week, uh, the topic is power in the state. And we'll read an excerpt from a larger piece by Louis Althusser called On the Reproduction of Capitalism, Ideology, and Ideological State Apparatuses. We are also supplementing this with uh, the film from 2016 from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain America Civil War, directed by the Russos. Uh, a supplementary text for this week is a chapter from Patricia Hill Collins's text, Intersectionality is Critical Social Theory, uh, the chapter entitled Intersectionality and Epistemic Resistance. I'm excited to learn with you this week. The excerpt uh, we are reading this week from Louis Althusser on the reproduction of capitalism, ideology, and ideological state apparatuses is a smaller piece of a larger work by Althusser entitled Ideology and Ideological State Apparatuses. Um, And I've condensed this, or rather not certainly condensed it, um, but selected an interesting, I think, selection for which our community can learn and have a conversation about. This piece, uh, in this piece, Althusser argues that every social formation must reproduce the conditions of its production while simultaneously reproducing the conditions under which the production occurs. For me, um, what that necessarily means is that uh, the society must produce what it needs to survive but also must reproduce the society in which uh to produce which it needs to survive and so i kind of think of it as cyclical in terms of uh you know not a chicken and egg sort of situation uh that the society must reproduce itself through its own production um and creating the material uh material relations uh that provide its um culture and society uh but also it's it's tangible material goods right like as i look at this water bottle next to me like the society that produced this water bottle in order for more water bottles to be produced that the society must exist to make this nalgene water bottle right um so that's kind of what it's saying uh but it also must reproduce the means of production as well as reproducing the labor power um and so when we think about the labor power in a marxist political philosophy we're really thinking about um human capital uh we're talking about the individuals who are working in the water bottle factory that work for nalgene uh that are producing uh the goods and services uh that week as um people consume in this capitalist uh, labor formation. Um, And so uh, part of this is, as we've talked about ideology in the past, uh, Althusser asks us, what might children learn in school? And coming off of page 89, he says, the rules of good behavior, such as the attitude that should be observed by every agent in the division of labor according to the job that he is destined for, the rules of morality and civic and professional conscience, which actually means rules of respect for the socio-technical division of labor, and ultimately the rules of the order established by class domination. And so this is really talking here about the various ways in which uh, we have engaged in, in, in several weeks 
in for several weeks about notions of social reproduction. We're talking here about uh, schools um, forming a space to reproduce the mores, uh, cultures, values, et cetera, et cetera, of particular class systems. Um, I'm thinking here uh, about a very famous text uh, from, I, I want to say, the 80s or 90s uh, called Learning to Labor, How Working Class Kids Get Working Class Jobs. And I'm sorry, that is actually from 1977. I'm way off on the times. But really, is a book by Paul Willis that talks about how um, schooling, in part, helps to um, reproduce class um, class. Uh, and that, you know, there's this idea, as we've talked about in other classes, uh, the black boxing of education where you go into education, something happens and you come out radically change. Um, critical theory and critical scholars uh, challenge that black box idea by saying, well, you know, evidence doesn't necessarily support that. While there are some people that go into education and come out the other side, and change their class positioning, uh, that isn't necessarily true for all people. Marx, um, sorry, not Marx. Um, Althusser here is, uh, he, he asks, what is a society? And here he draws upon Marx's distinguishing of the various levels of a society, the infrastructure uh, or the economic base, as well as the superstructure, which includes the political and legal institutions such as the law, the police, and the government, as well as ideology. The superstructure has a relative autonomy with relationship to the base, and it relies on this consumer base, economic base rather, to persist for long myriads. Uh, Althusser does not reject this Marxist model. However, he does want to explore the ways in which ideology is more pervasive and more material than necessarily previously uh, acknowledged. Um, for Marx, the state, and when we talk about the state, we're really talking about like federal governments. So we're not necessarily talking about Illinois or Georgia or South Carolina or California, um, but we're talking about the state. Um, uh, so federal um, or nation states, rather, is a, is a good way to uh, say that. And so for Marx, uh, the state is explicitly conceived as a repressive apparatus. Um, and so Althusser builds upon this idea of a Marxist understanding of the levels of a society and the influence that ideology has upon the state and its subjects conceive of both ideological state apparatuses as well as repressive state apparatuses. And so in Marxist theory, a state apparatus contains the government, administration, the army, police, courts, prison, et cetera, et cetera. But I, um, Althusser renames these a repressive state apparatus. Uh, and for Althusser, uh, a repressive state apparatus operates by uh, physical violence generally, uh, at least ultimately, uh, with the exception of like administrative repression may not always embody physical violence. Uh, however, ideological state apparatuses um, being uh, religious institutions, educational institutions, the institution of f families, legal institutions, political institutions, trade unions, communications, which for Althusser is uh, press, radio, and TV. I would throw in internet within that as well, although that's a little bit more diffuse and doesn't come from one space. And so there's some nuance there about how we might conceive of and consider the internet. And after building on uh, last week's conversation on the internet, I'd be interested about your thoughts on does the internet uh, function as an ideological state apparatus in the same way that Althusser lays out these others. Um, and so for 
you know, what is the difference between these sort of two apparatus, the ideological and repressive, or the ISAs and RSAs? Um, there is, for Althusser, one repressive state apparatus um, and a multiplicity of ideological state apparatus. RSAs belong to the public domain, whereas ISAs belong to the private domain. And so if we think about the RSAs that were outlined, the army, the police, the courts, the prisons, the government, so on and so forth, they all come from the state. Uh, they are conceived of and run um, by the public institutions, whereas all the largely the ideological, are smaller, they are private, um, and they happen um, to be sort of uh, more, uh, you know, and when we talk about, so education is a little bit of a nuanced one because it is not not always necessarily private in the way that we might think of family or trade unions or uh, religious organizations, right? So it's a little bit different, but when we talk about private here, we necessarily mean that um, there is a more diffuse power structure in play within the uh, ISAs and within the RSAs. Further, if repressive state apparatus function primarily by violence, um, ISAs function primarily by ideology. However, it is important to note that RSAs also use ideology and ISAs also use violence. And so uh, they both operate and uh, reify their own power and hegemony uh, through both ideology and violence. The main difference being which is primacy with RSAs, the threat of or actualized violence uh, upholds the ideology and their power, uh, whereas with ISAs, it's ideology and hegemony uh, first with a threat of power, a threat of violence second. Um, given the fact that this ruling class in principle holds state power openly or by more, more often by means of alliances between classes or class fractions and therefore has as its disposable the repressive state apparatus, we can accept the fact that the same ruling class is active in the ideological state apparatuses insofar as it is ultimately the ruling ideology which is realized in the ideological state apparatus. And that is coming from Althusser's work on page 98. All of this to answer the question, how is the reproduction of the relations of production secured? It is secured necessarily uh, in the legal, political, and ideological superstructure that we mentioned earlier. Um, and importantly, ideological state apparatuses are multiple, distinct, and relatively autonomous while also being capable of providing an objective field of contradictions from which to express themselves. In forms which might be limited or extreme, the effects of the dashes between the capitalist class struggle and the proletarian or the underclass class structural, as well as their subordinate forms. For Althusser, and on page 101, he talks about this, the role of the repressive state apparatus uh, is as a repressive apparatus consists of securing by force, physical or otherwise, the political conditions of the reproduction of relations of labor, which are the last resort of the relations of exploitation. Um, so, uh, so there are many ways in which uh, these relations of production are secured through both the engagement of the ISAs and the RSAs. And so uh, these state apparatus have a vested interest in the reproduction of the society and culture in which they are manifest from uh, because like any um, 
thing, person, institution, et cetera, et cetera, in power, it wants to remain in power. Um, and so as we began with, we talked about the very nation, his the very opening argument, uh, Althusser argues that every social formation must reproduce the conditions of its production while simultaneously reproducing the conditions under which the production occurs is very much so because it has uh, an interest in keeping its own power. Um, and so whereas we talked last week about uh, Foucauldian power, uh, that it is not necessarily held. I don't think, and I could be wrong as well, um, as a student of critical theory, that um, Althusser's notion of power is something that is held. Um, so it's slightly different. It's uh, m- maybe not necessarily being held by a individual, but by a body, uh, by an institution. And by body, I mean like governmental body like the the legislature or the judicial or the executive thinking through uh the federal agencies within a u.s context um the one that i know the best uh so those would be bodies not necessarily like me as a body right um and so um yes that is sort of uh althusserian uh notions of power and why and how it works to maintain itself uh through the pervasiveness of uh ideology i think perhaps of interest for us as educational scholars althusser argues that while historically the church was the dominant ideological state apparatus from the Middle Ages on um, until recently, rather. Uh, This has been taken over by the educational apparatus. Uh, The educational apparatus replacing functions that the previous dominant ISAs maintained. And so why might the educational apparatus, in fact, be the dominant ideological state apparatus in modern capitalist social formations, and how does it function? On page 104 to 105, uh, Althusser talks about that these are um, these state apparatus, the educational state apparatus, takes from every class, right, all classes from infant to school age, and for years and years, in which this child, this youth, this young person, is at its most vulnerable um, time uh, in terms of both. You know, for so many reasons, if we think about um, the agency of children, uh, children, young people are, are queer in that, uh, and this is really drawing off of the work of Catherine Bond Stockton, that children are queer by their lacking of agency. Uh, they're queer for the purpose that they don't have this agency, they don't have access uh, to capital in the same way that adults do. And so by the very notion of their lacking of power, uh, they're... Um, vulnerable, uh, to use Althusser's words. Um, and so they are taken um, and put into schools where they are, quote, squeezed between the family state apparatus and the educational state apparatus. It drums into them, whether it uses new or old methods, a certain amount of know-how wrapped in the ruling ideology or simply the ruling ideology of the pure state. Um, and so such as ethics or civic education philosophy. And so I alluded to this in class last week. Somewhere around the age of 16, a huge mass of children are ejected into production. Uh, these are the workers of the small peasants. And so this, this text obviously is um, 
from an earlier time, and, and at least in the U.S., uh, generally uh, young people are not ejected at the age of 16 into production, as Althusser says. Uh, that still might happen in other nations. It doesn't necessarily happen here, though. Uh, there are, you know, that is still, in many states, the age in which you can start working, right? And so there's still some holdovers there um, where we see the role of education as reproducing the labor power, as Althusser talks about. Um, I also think about right now, as we are living um, still in the coronavirus pandemic, and there's still all sorts of calls for sending children back into schools, and there is this prioritization of getting kids back into schools during COVID. Um, And why is that? Is it purely for educational purposes or is it for the economy or is it to maintain social reproduction? I don't necessarily know if there's a cut and dry answer to that question. Um, But uh, there is this idea that, you know, the economy can't open back up until children are back in school. Um, And so it's this, again, this cyclical thing that is hard to escape from is that, you know, it's harder for adults to work as someone who takes care of my little one primarily during the day like i it is it is hard to get things done i'm recording this late at night um however um i don't necessarily want to risk my child nor should anyone be at risk right now um and so there's this nuance and very messy conversation about getting kids back into school and always questioning why i've said um i think in in classes before that the most dangerous word i argue in the English language is why. Because when you start continuing to ask why, um, it boils down to getting the very real answer. You know, if someone gives you an answer, ask why again and keep asking why and keep asking why until you get the real answer. And so why are we prioritize getting children back into school? And notice I am function, I am uh, focusing on and prioritizing the very word of into. Learning can occur and happen digitally. Um, It's not the same. It's certainly different. But all of you have been taking online classes for the last year. Um, And I'd like to think, I hope that you all are still learning things. Now, that that certainly is a lot different when we're talking about my three-year-old child versus, you know, uh, those of you who are well older than three by generally at least 20 years. And so it's a lot different. But why are we functioning on getting people back into schools? What is the purpose of getting back into school? What does it mean to be in schools? Um, and so uh, some questions. Uh, Althusser um, speaks a little bit about this, I, I think, on page 105. Um, each mass, he says, are ejected uh, en route practically provided with the ideology which suits the role it has to fulfill in class society, the role of the exploited, uh, the role of the agent of exploitation, the agent of repression, uh, or of the professional ideology. And the demagogue, um, uh, so lots of different classes that are reproduced through education. And so thinking about who is, um, who is being benefited um, and serve by being in school or being out of school? And how does that shift and change and challenge uh, what we expect uh, young people to learn? And when I say young people to learn, I, nest, I am meaning sort of the whole gamut here of the educational 
uh, body, you know, from the, the pre-K individuals all the way through graduate students. What is being taught and what does it mean and why is it being taught? Um, Althusser also talks about the idea of heroes, right? Um, he, he sort of critiques and um, talks, uh, there's a lot here about school, right? And so there's this ideology which represents school as a neutral environment, purged of ideology. Um, I think uh, we all would agree, I, I would argue that that is not true. Many people, I think, would also agree with that. We've talked about this extensively in class that schooling is not a space free of ideology, but in term, instead is a place in which ideology is learned. Um, insofar as much that sometimes the ideology, um, as we talked about with hegemony, is being taught by people who think it's in their best interest but may not necessarily be in their own best interest. And so Althusser really, he talks, and I think this is fun and cute, uh, to use a term, uh, he says, I asked the pardon of those teachers who, in dreadful conditions, attempt to turn the few weapons they can find in the history and learning they teach against the ideology, the system, and the practices in which they are trapped. They are a kind of hero. I think that's a great place to close out this week. I think we all are um, indebted to the scholarship of Althusser and, and many of the people that we are reading this week and all uh, for helping us to understand how we can resist against dominant ideologies uh, that don't um, produce um, f- pathways of equity, uh, that don't produce um, institutions of caring, uh, that uh, we can resist against powers that attempt to silence alternate ways of knowing, thinking, feeling, being, and loving. Um, I thank you all so very much uh, for being here with me this week. I look forward to viewing the film with you um, and seeing you in class on Monday. Have a wonderful rest of your week and take care.